1 Samuel chapter 16. I want to honor your pastor in his absence. I also thank God for Dr. Hamilton. He met him 25 years ago when I was serving my first church, and we're grateful to God for him and all the ministers. Thank God for Minister Stevens for his, his kindness, and to you, brethren, in the male chorus, you have blessed us. I wish I could sing. First Samuel chapter, chapter 16. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 from the Old Testament, from the original Hebrew language, 1 Samuel 16 and 1. There you will find these words, 1 Samuel 16 and 1. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long? Will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thy horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take an heifer with thee, and say, I am come to sacrifice to the Lord. Call Jesse to the sacrifice. I will show thee what thou shalt do. Thou shalt anoint unto me him whom I name unto thee. And Samuel did that which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Cometh thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shammah to pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth sheep. Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch for him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Shall we pray? Dear loving and gracious Father, we come now in the precious name of Christ. We thank you 
for our time of gathering. We ask that you would allow us to look into this word, Father, and see ourselves as you unfold your plan, yet for our lives. For Christ's sake, amen. I want to talk from the subject, God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. And the brethren will come. God's unexpected divine prearrangements. Again, look at First Samuel, and we want to concentrate on First Samuel sixteen and ten. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel, and Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down till he come hither. God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. On July 4th, 1826, John Adams, our second president of these United States, lay dying in Peacefield, Massachusetts. On the same day, Thomas Jefferson, the third president, lay dying as well. Both men were signatories on the Declaration of Independence. John Adams lay dying in Massachusetts and Thomas Jefferson dying in Monticello, Virginia within four hours of one another. They both died 50 years to the day of the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Some call this a coincidence. Carl Hung, a Swiss behaviorist, that lived from 1875 to 1961, coined the term synchronicity. Here is a definition. A coincidental occurrence of two or more events that have no relevance to one another, yet it takes place with great meaning to the individual who is witnessing or is experiencing it. A simpler statement may be a meaningful coincidence. You and I walk out this door today and walk into God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Lord wanted to choose a king for Israel. But Israel wanted to be like the other nations. God wanted to be their king. But they said, we want to be like 
other nations. God had given them judges as Deborah and of Samson and of Gideon, but oftentimes the Lord will do for us what he does not want to do, but if we worry him, he'll abandon his will and give us over to our own will. My granddaughter came to me the other day and I want some gas money. I said, get a job. <laughs> and she just worried me and worried me and I gave her some money. Sometimes we do God like that. So the Lord commissioned Samuel and a son to select a new king for Israel. Samuel had anointed Saul of Kish, but Saul had spoken to the witch at Endor and God had fired Saul, but Saul was still on the throne. The Lord had rejected Saul and Israel was in a mourning period without a king and the Lord commanded Samuel to take a horn of oil, hollow it out and fill it and go to Bethlehem to Jesse's house for I have provided me a king. The Lord told Samuel to take a female cow with him for a sacrifice and call Jesse to the sacrifice for it says the Lord has provided me a king among his sons. Jesse had eight sons, by the way. Eight is a number of new beginnings. Every Jewish boy is circumcised on the eighth day. In the eighth chapter of Acts, the Ethiopian eunuch was given a new start. There are seven days of the week, Monday through Saturday, but Sunday is the first day of the week. Eight symbolizes new beginnings. Bethlehem in the Hebrew tongue means house of bread. What Jesse was about to see was God's unexpected divine prearrangements. God has a navigation into every situation before you and I get there. Samuel gives us a clue to God's expected, unexpected divine prearrangements. Samuel shows up at Jesse's house as one of his sons would be anointed and let me use my imagination, the, the eight sons probably had gone to Cox Cleaners. They had probably gotten their suits cleaned and pressed and their shoes were shined and, and Eliab stood up. Samuel took the horn of oil and nothing happened. Shama came next and he flipped upside down the horn of oil and all seven sons came up, and they all stayed. The question was asked, are there any more sons here? Yeah, we got a little run out there. He ain't nothing. He just keeps sheep, and they said, go get it. We won't sit down until he comes. The Bible says they went and got little David. He was ready and of good counts. 
David smelled like sheep. He didn't want to be king. He was just doing his father's will. You remember in, in earlier in Samuel when a 1,100-pound, nine-foot giant named Goliath was taunting the people of God. For 40 days, he challenged the people of God, and little David was just a little boy. He really didn't know how to fight. He had actually was bringing his brothers some cheese. And all the brothers were there, and they were scared to fight Goliath, and all of them were standing there, and little David didn't come forward. The other brothers stepped back. David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? David slew Goliath, and the Bible says there was not a sword in the hand of David. So they go get little David. All he had heard was a bleeding of sheep. He had gotten very good with a slingshot. David stepped in there, and he smelled like sheep, and Samuel turned upside down the horn of oil, and the, the narrative says, and the oil did run. Man, look at that, the outward appearance. But God, look at that, the heart. And those of you that are really struggling, I think degrees are wonderful. But I think college degrees are overrated. You need the anointing. Even if you got a PhD, you're still missing 23 letters. Education is fine, but we need the anointing. So all seven sons, uh, oil didn't flow, and the anointing fell on little David. You be careful how you dismiss folk. The very person you didn't think would, will. And those people that had all the education and qualifications, God couldn't use them. All that children here. So the oil flowed on little David. Now one would have thought that little David would have said, now y'all get out of the way, I'm king. But little David went back to keeping his father's sheep. He wasn't concerned about a title. He just wanted to do his father's will. David had walked into God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. And in your life and mine, God knows the navigation into every situation that you and I are going through. Are you wrestling with choices and decisions regarding family and health issue and financial crisis, but God has for somebody here an unexpected divine prearrangement. That is why it's a good practice to make your major decisions while you're in worship service. Don't ask Pookie. He's struggling himself. Don't ask little Shay Shay. He got problems himself. Make your major decisions while you're in worship service. We are more 
sensitive to the spirit then. David, though an unlikely candidate for king from a qualification standpoint, but from a spiritual standpoint, all the ingredients were there. He was obedient to his father. He was faithful in his task. Here's another critical point in spiritual growth. Regular church attendance is so very important. This is where the spirit meets us corporately to worship. Story is told of a little boy. And the little boy didn't want to get out of bed. And his mother pulled the sheet one way and he pulled it another. And he says, I don't want to go to school. She said, but you got to go to school. He pulled it back and she pulled it. And this went on for three or four minutes. And he said, why do I have to go to school? She said, because you're the principal. <laughs> Richard Foster, in celebration of discipline, suggests three enemies of spiritual growth. Noise, crowds, and hurry. Little David was away from all three. He heard the bleeding of the sheep as he heard the voice of God. I don't do crowds or noise, but I struggle with hurry. This, this notion of unexpected divine prearrangements happens in our lives every day. There's a dear friend of which you've been trying to reach. You lost their phone number. You're shopping in Westchester, but you run into them. The unusual thing is you live in Madisonville. They live in Avondale. You never shop in Butler County. Was it a coincidence that out of a million people in greater Cincinnati, the two of you all would meet in a place you visit infrequently and you run into somebody you lost touch with. Was it a coincidence? No, it was God's unexpected divine prearrangements. Picture this. A printing plant blows up and out flies multiple copies of Merriam-Webster's dictionary. One point we must never forget. God's future plans for your life and mine are never dependent on our ability to see it. So Samuel walked 10 miles from Ramah to Bethlehem with his horn of oil. Abinadab, Eliab, and Shammah were not the choice for the king of Israel, and the other four sons did not even cause the oil to flow. Samuel asked Jesse, are there all your children Jesse says, I got one more. They said, fetch him, for we won't sit down until he comes. The Bible says he was ruddy, a beautiful countenance, and the text said the oil did run. You know, many folk claim to know everything about the Holy Spirit. We can't predict how the Holy Spirit will move. And we won't predict who the spirit will fall on. Have you ever seen somebody try and manufacture the Holy Ghost? 
You can't manufacture the Holy Ghost. John 3 says it's like a wind. You know, don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going, but you know what it does. How do we claim to understand the Holy Spirit when we don't even know the human spirit? This unexpected divine prearrangement was working in the life of Moses who was set out on a papyrus in the Nile River to save his life and was rescued by his mother's maid. It's so interesting, a decree went out from Pharaoh, if it's a little girl, let her live. If it's a boy, you kill him. The Bible says that the Egyptians press the Hebrews. And the more they pressed them, the more they multiplied. So God set little Moses out on the Nile in a, in a bassinet, as it were. The narrative says they pitched it with slime. And wouldn't you know it, that Moses' mother was a maid of Pharaoh's daughter. And they saw this little baby in the Nile, and she says, I think I'll take it home for myself. And wouldn't you know it, her maid was Jochebed, which was Moses' mother. So what God allowed to happen, Moses was raised in the king's house. The king paid the bill. Moses was an expert in mathematics. They still don't know how the pyramid happened. But it was God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. In Mark 14 and 13, the disciples were told to go into the city. There you'll meet a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And when you see the good man of the house, you say the master said, where is the guest chamber? Well, I'll eat the Passover with my disciples and he'll show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. The roasted lamb was there. The bitter herbs were there. The bread and wine were there. The Greek word for furnished and prepared is pre-arranged. In 1813, a man named William Booth lived in the poorest slums of East London. He had six children, no job, but he helped everybody that he could. He was a Christian. He went to the poorest neighborhoods in Nottingham, UK, near Birmingham. He fed people and went about singing, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? The neighbors threw chamber pots of human refuse on him, but he kept on singing, Are You Washed in the Blood of the Lamb? William Booth became discouraged. But the movement of Christianity began to blossom. By 1912, when William Booth went to glory, he, his work spread to 58 countries, feeding the poor and preaching the gospel. God provided some unexpected divine prearrangements upon the death of a man named Ray Kroc. You probably never heard of Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc was a founder of McDonald's. He died in 1988. 
his widow Joan Crock upon her death in 1993 made the largest charitable contribution in the history of the world. She gave $1.5 billion to William Booth's work. Today that organization is called the Salvation Army. And somebody here today will walk out of these doors and God has some unexpected divine prearrangements. Now this message has somebody's name on it. Now I mentioned earlier that Samuel walked 10 miles from Ramah to Bethlehem with this hollowed out heifer's horn filled with oil not knowing who the king would be. In 1 Samuel 16 after anointing David the narrative says he went home to Ramah. When you and I walk into God's unexpected divine prearrangements, we don't have to worry about the outcome. When you and I are moving under the unction of the Holy Spirit, we can go home and relax. When God was looking for a savior to redeem man from the curse of the law, he could have gone to Rome to get a powerful king, but he didn't. He could have gone to Jerusalem to choose one of the high priests in the long flowing robe, but he didn't. He could have gone to Greece, see, intellectual capital of the world, but he didn't. He had some unexpected divine prearrangements. He chose a little place called Bethlehem. Nobody had ever heard of Bethlehem. Nathaniel even says, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? He whispered in the ear of Caesar Augustus to call for a census that every citizen had to register in the birth city. And what that did, it put Jesus in a perfect position to be born in a stable under the starlit night because our Lord is a God of divine, unexpected prearrangements. There was, a, there was a young lady, and she was raised by wealthy parents. She was given everything that she could have wanted, but she wasn't given any discipline. Her mother and father had passed away, and she was left a million dollars. She had committed a crime and had gone before the judge, and the judge had sentenced her to life in prison. By the way, she was a smoker. Put a pin in that. He had sentenced her to life in prison, so when she was escorted away in shackles to jail, she got on the bus. She was highly intelligent. She had been given a great education, but she wasn't given any discipline. So she was on her way to prison, and she was trying to figure out how she would get out when she got to prison and she sat back and watched and there was a, a sexton. The sexton is a man that when somebody died in prison, he collected the body and buried it. So every time somebody died, people heard the bells ring and they observed a moment of silence on their death. After the person died in the moment of silence, was observed the sexton would come and 
collect the body. Put the body on a gurney. Take the gurney to the graveyard and bury it. The sexton was an old man. He was not in very good health and his judgment was poor. She told the old man, she says, I have a million dollars. And if you can help me get out of here, I'll give it to you. So they plotted. Since he took people, they were dead and buried them. The point they made was when someone died, he would leave a door open. And she would go in, get on top of the dead body. He would escort it on the gurney to the cemetery. And after everybody was gone, he would come back, open the top, and let her out. So she says, I don't want to do it right away because I don't want people to get suspicious. So the bell rang and somebody died and he collected the body and put it on a gurney and took it to the cemetery and buried it. And this happened two or three times. And so then she set it up. Sure enough, somebody died. The people heard the bell ring. He put the body in the casket. He left the door open for her. She walked in, opened the casket, got on top of the body, closed the lid. A few hours later, she heard somebody walk in. She heard them put the gurney put the casket on the gurney, she heard the wheels squeak. She heard them roll it to the cemetery. They deposited the body in the ground. They threw some dirt over it and covered it up. And she waited. Now she was a smoker. After about an hour and nothing happened, she looked in her pocket and she flipped her big lighter. Underneath her was a man whom she had conspired with. Her hope had died. But we've got a hope. Our hope is still alive. His name is Jesus Christ. And if you're here today, if you walked in this door, you can walk into God's divine Unexpected prearrangement. Her hope had died, but we have a hope. He's not dead, he's still alive, and his name is Jesus Christ. I don't know what your circumstances are today, but if you've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've made him Lord of your life, if you've stopped by Calvary and died, and maybe there's sin in your life, I'm a witness, God will forgive your sin. Your life may be as black and dirty, he'll accept you like you are. In Luke chapter 17, there were 10 lepers, and Jesus healed all of them. And only one came back and gave thanks. But the narrative says, 
when they were to show themselves to the priest while they went, <laughs> they were healed. So if your life is broken today, one young lady a few weeks ago came to Greater Liberty and she said, I want to give my life to Christ. My life is a mess. I say, everybody life a mess, hold your hand up. And everybody did that. God will take your life and he'll do something wonderful with it. If you give him your life, you can walk today into God's divine, unexpected pre-arrangements. Father God in heaven, I've done what you've commanded me to do. Bless us, our people, in a special way. Lord, all our lives are broken. Something is wrong with all of our lives. Lord, that's why we're here today. And we ask that you would take the remnants of our life and allow us to walk in to God's divine, unexpected prearrangements. Minister Stevens, I'll come and let you issue the invitation to Christian discipleship. There may be somebody here that has not made Jesus Christ Lord of the life. Or maybe your life is broken. Then you're in the best place today to walk into God's divine, unexpected prearrangements.